This is Mission.org. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm your host, Jeremy Bergeron, the Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And this is the show where twice a week, you'll get VIP access into the hearts and minds of some of the most influential marketers in the world. On Marketing Trends, we'll do two things. We'll go deep on a human level, and we'll go even deeper on the nitty gritty of what makes for the most successful marketers and strategies today. I'm glad you're here. Now let's get into it. Being in a leadership role is definitely not easy. One recurring theme I hear about being an executive at a company is that you need to cultivate a skill of listening. It's simple, not easy, but simple. That doesn't always mean listening with your ears. Sometimes it's listening and seeing people's habits. Brian Rowley, Vice President of Marketing at Panasonic, spoke with me today about how important it is to make sure your team is finding a proper balance and watching for their needs. I'm a big person for balance because there used to be a time when we used to push people to the extreme where they break and then, okay, take a couple of days and sort of come back. There's so many people who you hear over the course of time that say, oh, this person's in the office from 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And what a great employee. And I always look at that and say, really? Like that job really only requires seven or eight hours. Why is it taking that person 12 or 13? In addition to teamwork, we also dove into why and how Panasonic made a big shift to a B2B focus and what it's like to work with so many different divisions and shareholders across such a diverse company. They make everything from computers and tablets to manufacturing and food processing to professional video equipment. Be sure to stay tuned. This is an episode of Marketing Trends you don't want to miss. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Marketing Trends. This is your host, Jeremy Bergeron, Vice President of Media Strategy at Mission.org. And today I am so excited to have Brian Rowley, VP of Marketing at Panasonic, on the show. Brian, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm good, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yes, indeed. Let's get right into it. So I just want to start at the beginning, the genesis of marketing for you. Like, What was that what were the early days of like, the exposure you had at Verizon, some of the things you started to learn and, and see happen at that organization? 
It's kind of interesting. I was on the device marketing side initially. So um, really focused on connected home, connected auto, wearables. That was sort of the focus point for me, but not in the true sense of marketing as much as I am now. It was more in regards to bringing product to market. So it was is around go-to-market and, and distribution channels and things like that. Not as much focused on like the digital type concepts that we're working on today and some of the things that we're doing. But that, that's where I started, you know, doing getting involved in things like photo shoots and how we're incorporating and telling the story and all those things. That, that, that's where it started. So the, on the product side of things. On the product side. Yeah. Ah, okay. So and then there's there's also an, an intersection that happens in your career where you start to get into leadership. Yep. And I, I love asking executives this question because it's always a unique experience. But for you now, kind of transitioning from you know individual contributor and learning about marketing, being exposed to some really cool products at Verizon, now you're getting into leadership. And what was that cultivation like? Some of the things you learned how to do, maybe some of the early struggles of kind of stepping into leadership, because those are two, as you know, vastly different things. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, I always had, I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy working with people. Uh, uh, you know, I, I've always sort of had that like. Um, so I started off with some small teams early, very, very early in my career. I actually managed a company more from an entrepreneurial perspective, and we had about 200 employees. So I, I had the experience of running larger organizations, but really at, you know, in, in a different capacity, it wasn't, you know, your fortune 500, fortune 1000 companies, right? It was more of a smaller startup entrepreneurial type company. So there's definitely that shift, right? I mean, you learn a lot very quickly <laughs> um, and, and you have to really, you know, I always sort of have lived by the motto of, you know, I wanted to be the type of leader that I wanted to be led by. So for me, I, I sort of focused on the skills that were important to me and made sure that those have always come through in the teams that are reporting and working for myself today. It mm, sounds, I mean, clearly you've been able to cultivate that over, the, over your, your time in, in marketing and in leadership. And, you know, fast forward to now, I mean, here we are wrapping up 2021. You're at the helm of, is it four or five? four or five different units at Panasonic? Five business units, yeah. Five, yeah, five business units. So, you know, I think there was a, you had the stint as kind of tough book was like the one product that you- That was the intro, yeah. Right, and then it's like, okay, let's go ahead and, you know, jump to five. Um, but now, you know, you sit at this really interesting intersection again of, you know, all of these really great parts of the business. Like, you, you know, the modern day marketing leader is, they're right next to product and finance and certainly sales and operations. And I think that the marketing leader is such a unique executive in the whole kind of pie of executive leaders. They really have to align with so many stakeholders. What has that experience been like for you now at Panasonic? And yeah, how are you able to do that so well? Because again, this is a, both a local, national, global scale organization, and you've got to align with so many people. You know. I think it's really just about listening, honestly. Like, I hate to boil it down to the very basics, but it really and truly, that's what it does boil down to. It, it's the abilities to be able to listen to what people have to say, make sure that, you know, you're acting um, with the best interest of the organization, obviously, but also trying to, as you said, balance the needs of all those stakeholders. And, and you can't always do that, right? At some point, you do have to look at this and say, 
okay, there's a, you know, the business aspect of it, which is, is the, the priority. And hopefully the rest of it will align or we figure out ways to make that align. But you're right. It's challenging. I mean, you mentioned there's five different business units. So, and each of them are at varying uh, stages of sort of their life, right? So you've got the tough book line, which you mentioned, which is our, our tablets and our computers and our handheld devices uh, just celebrated our 25th anniversary of that product line uh, this year. So, you know, that's been around for a while. Then we have sort of an enterprise process innovation uh, team, which focuses on manufacturing and the warehouse and, and food services. And, you know, that's a much younger organization. Um, but then just scope wise, like we go into sort of our professional video and visual uh, imaging part of the business, which focuses on like themed entertainment house. I mean, they're all so varied in regards to what we do in each of those spaces that it is a very different job depending upon which stakeholder you're having conversations with at any given time. Mm. And you said something that a lot of Fortune 100, Fortune 500 executives that we've had on our network say, a lot of them say this, not all of them, but a lot of them say, listen. Yeah. And it's really interesting to hear both the simplistic like nature of that, but there's also this really beautiful part to that as well. It's like a lot of people think, oh, there's they must have learned the secret wizard trick to become the head of marketing for a storied brand like Panasonic. But actually you go back to, hey, just listening and, and cultivating that and realizing that that's really a powerful tool to have as a leader and as a team player. Um, and I love how you brought it right back to that. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's both internal listening as well as external listening, right? So it's listening to our internal stakeholders as well as what our customers are saying. And, you know, many times I've seen people go into a conversation thinking about what the outcome is and, and you're not listening in that process because you already know what you think you're planning that outcome to be. So I would say that that's a really important piece. And the other piece too is really um, making sure you have all, and I know this is a very hot topic now, but making sure that all of the right voices are represented in a conversation. And that just goes back to diversity. Um, and, and, you know, diversity of thought is one that's, I don't think uh, is given as much attention as it probably needs. But it really is a critical element. Being able to sit back as a leader in a business and understand and realize who's not present in the conversation and the value or the shift in that conversation, what it could look like if you included that voice is really important um, in all the key decisions that you make, especially when it comes to sort of the marketing side of the business. I love that diversity of thought and how how can other marketing leaders and CMOs and heads of marketing that will listen to this inevitably, how can they start to think about ensuring they have that diversity of thought? Are there some kind of more tactical things that you do to ensure that you're you're bringing that to the table? Yeah. So, I mean, I think at the, the very root of it, obviously you mentioned, you know, you have sales and product, right? They're, they're our front line out to the customers. So you want to make sure that they're represented. But there's important other voices in the business. When you think about it, when you think of things like supply chain, when you think of financial impacts, when you think of contracts um, and some of the operational elements that are there, some of the engineering aspects, the customer support aspects that support sort of the after the fact conversation once the product might be sold. So I think it's really being aware 
of all the different components and elements and, and what plays into that customer experience. I mean, I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll be talking about customer experience during this conversation. But in saying that, I mean, all of that plays into customer experience. And I always sort of live through this, this thought process that no matter what conversation if you're having internally, if you can always go back and ask the people who are there, what impact does that have to the customer? Nine times out of 10, you'll make the right decision. Customers don't care about the internal craziness that happens within not just Panasonic, but within every business, right? So if you can answer the question of what impact and then make sure that all the people that really have insight into that customer experience have that voice in, in the conversation, you're sure to win. Again, it's pretty simplistic, but at the same time, it really is sort of the key to, to a lot of, of, of success. As you've grown and, and scaled teams over the years, and you know, I'm curious about some learnings that you've, maybe some favorite failures or favorite kind of mistakes that set you up to be better at building high-performance teams. What are some things you've learned over the years in kind of building high-performance marketing teams? Yeah, I think the, uh, the importance of, of who's represented is a big one. Um, I think, you know, for my team's balance, I'm a, I'm a big, big person for balance because, you know, there used to be a time when we used to push people to, you know, to the extreme where they break and then, okay, take a couple of days and sort of come back and, and whatever. Um, for me, it's really about, that's not as important. Um, you know, I always look at, you know, there's so many people who you hear over the course of time that say, oh, this person's in the office from, you know, 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. And what a great employee. And I always look at that and say, really? Like that job really only requires seven or eight hours. Why is it taking that person 12 or 13? And you have to go back and look at that. So I, I think that's an important piece. The other thing that I think that's really important in regards to building teams is um, the definition of success. How do you define it? Because I think sometimes we spend a lot of time focusing success around, you know, balance sheets, P&Ls, and sort of that overall definitive ROI, right, that you can get out of something. When the reality is, for me, I think success is, is really, you know, around the people who are on the team who can react quickly uh, to situations. Um, people who are bringing a new perspective and point of view to the conversation and people who are willing to take the risk, even if it isn't quote unquote successful, probably the learnings that you have from things that don't make it to market can be, if not more valuable, at least equally as valuable as things that are successful. So I think the definition and defining what is success is also sort of a key element. Hmm. I love that. And I, I love how you, it seems like something that's important to you is cultivating this container for your team of like safety and support, you know, where they can bring all themselves, you know, they can bring this diversity of thought and they can look at, you know, risk and failure in a certain type of way. And so I'm curious how you do that as a leader is how are you cultivating, you know, a safe and supportive environment for marketers to be in? Because it can be very hectic and crazy. And, and you said, look, there's there's business goals, there's KPIs and ROI, and that's all on the table. And yet you really want your marketers to bring all of themselves to the, to the team and the role. How are you cultivating that safety and support? Well, I mean, again, 
it is a basic element. I think you have to lead that by example. You know, I don't have the answers to everything. So, you know, there's vulnerabilities that I have, which I make aware to the team. I don't have all the answers to everything. That's why we have a team. <laughs> and so, you know, we, we did, um, you know, it's kind of an interesting exercise um, in one of our internal podcasts that we had done. We did this exercise um, on improv and we had an improv uh, individual come in and talk to the team specifically in regards to sort of what does it mean to be part of a team? And a big part of that was giving and, and letting people understand the value that they play in a conversation. And a part of that is everyone's vulnerable at some point. And so you, you have to be willing to be vulnerable in order for you to get all those characteristics that you identified of individuals. I, again, I don't have all the answers. So, you know, for me, it's about having a team that can sit down, have conversations and fill in the gaps where we don't. Mm. What are you learning about now as in terms of just leadership or just marketing leadership or marketing in general? Like, what are some of the things that you're curious about learning about now? Yeah. I mean, we just did an exercise on the value of sonic branding. And uh, this was kind of an interesting one for us. I mean, you know, you you don't really pay as much attention to the sonic element or we hadn't paid as much attention to the sonic element and the importance that that brings into sort of the brand conversation. And, you know, when you first think about that, you know, there's incredible models that are out there today that sort of take and balance sort of sound um, against AI models and then return for you. What exactly does that provide in terms of sort of the the way that you present yourself as a brand? And, and so, you know, we're very focused on who we align with. We're very focused on the creative that we have in market. We hadn't spent a lot of time really focusing on the sonic side to it. The influence, I mean, we do videos, we do, you know, all sorts of audio components, but we hadn't really given a thought, does that component, the sonic side to it, align with who we are as a brand? And so we're, we're learning a lot about it. Uh, we, uh, needless to say, there will be some changes that we will do as we move forward, but it's just kind of an interesting piece um, as we're sort of evolving and developing our story, um, making sure to include that as an important element as well. What's your relationship now with kind of velocity and, you know, predicting growth in some way, shape or form, you know, coming from Verizon, another big brand into Panasonic? Is there much difference in the speed that you're able to move on the marketing side of things? Is it much different in kind of the support you're, you're able to, you know, hey, look out into the future and get close to predicting where this unit might be or that unit might be? Or what, what's that kind of on the table for you, like in terms of velocity and predicting growth at Panasonic? Yeah. So, I mean, the company has been, I mean, it's over a hundred years old, the brand itself, right? So it's got a legacy that sits there. Um, it is also um, a Japanese company. So, you know, from a cultural element, um, typically we're not the first to market um, in a lot of places. That's not, you know, we don't have this charge of needing to be out in front. Now, whereas, you know, when, when I was with Verizon, we were very focused on leading the market. Um, so there's a little bit of a different cultural shift, right, that we have there. We play in very niche spaces in terms of the markets that we serve, and we're very good in those markets. And so we, we spend a lot of time gathering 
input from our customers. I mean, a lot of people say that, but when I, when I tell you there are certain products that we've developed that I could pinpoint to a, there's a specific key on this keyboard in this place because of XYZ customer. That's the extent that we go to in terms of making sure that our customer's voice is heard. So in terms of growth and where we see it, um, you know, I mean, I think there's, um, there's a tremendous amount of opportunity for us in the markets. Um, what I would say we've done, and, and from a marketing organization, I think what we've done is we've invested a tremendous amount of time and energies into understanding customer behavior and making sure that we show up in the places where our customers are expecting us. The days where you could put something into the market and you would just um, hope that people were consuming it are gone. You, you have to be in all the places that people are showing up and you have to have a story to tell in all of those places. So again, going back to five business units, showing up in all these different vertical spaces, making sure that our customers' voices are represented. There's a lot. There's a lot to cover. Hmm. In a July 2021 MarTech article, you mentioned how Panasonic needs to, to listen to its customers and design experiences that are engaging. With today's all digital customers like quickly evolving, could you expand on this? Like, How is Panasonic thinking about new ways to engage digitally with customers to ensure Panasonic delivers that consistent and connected brand experience across all those different channels? Yeah, I think that, you know, there's a bunch of different ways that we're doing that, right? So we have it no different than ourselves in our personal lives, right? Today, we now have experiences where sometimes we're comfortable going to something where it's face-to-face. -face. Other times, we would prefer to consume on a virtual aspect. So we're working to make sure that we have the appropriate message in each of those platforms, right? That That's a big piece to it. We also know that you know there's a lot of time and there's a lot of emphasis space um, specifically around the conversation of people balancing their lives. So um, you know people, whether it's exercise or whatever they're doing on their downtime, that's also a, a point at which they consume. So you need to make sure that some of the platforms like this and, and other podcasts, right? You're making yourselves available to people. Before we used to call it windshield time. Right where where you had sales reps that were there. Well, windshield time, quite honestly, has become all day, every day, right? Because there's varying points that everybody takes their breaks in order to be able to sort of recharge, rebalance, and sort of get themselves going again. That nine to five day is pretty much gone, right? We all know that, right? So, I mean, I think those are just a couple of examples, um, but. I think that you know, as we continue to evolve and, and grow, I think that you know, the important thing is really just understanding um, and taking that time to listen to the customers' needs. And then, I mean, obviously, there's a tremendous amount of analytics that we have that talk about where people are showing up, what pieces of content resonate better than other pieces of content, what else are people looking to consume, like all of those pieces and elements we balance. Um, but it really is about listening and then making sure you're in all the right places. I think this is connected to that. And, you know, it seems like the, the approach, Panasonic's approach to B2B marketing has shifted to this customer centric strategy, right? And the messages and the channels and the content that the team's really using. 
in terms of just the content strategy, like how is Panasonic thinking about marketing content strategy, like across thought leadership and news and events and blogs to keep, well, both employees and customers engaged? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the things that we found out is individuals' time is more valuable now than it ever was, right? And so you have to be relevant. And when you're delivering content, you have to make sure that it meets the needs of what's being asked. And so when you think about it, you know, again, going back to the business units that we support, there's multiple layers in there, there's multiple decision makers in there, um, and there's a lot of different characteristics that align with each of them. And so for us, you know, depending upon, there are some, you know, industries that we serve and verticals that we serve that still very much are, you know, focused on those uh, vertical uh, white papers and the blog. They're looking for some of the more technical aspects of it. There's others that are making decisions about why they should work with Panasonic and are we forward enough thinking in sort of the direction that we're taking and we rely on our thought leadership, right, to help tell that story. But then you also have individuals who, you know, we're, we try to, to not be boastful in terms of what we are talking about. And we, and we try to rely on others in the industry um, who are also thought leaders that can perhaps tell the story better than we can. Like combined, we tell an amazing story. Individually, we tell a good story. So figuring out who those individuals are that we need to work with in order to tell that amazing story is, is sort of how we've gone about it. But it really is every demographic that we're talking to based on the buying decision process really is a little bit different. So we, we develop the content that can target each of them. Are there any kind of new metrics that you're you're kind of tracking to ensure that you stay on track or, or what are some of the metrics your your team is tracking to ensure that? Well, you know, at the end of the day, right, it all boils down to the amount of time it takes from our initial contact to the time that we see a sale, right? That again, cutting us back to the very basics, right? That's what we're here to sort of manage. As we look through the work that we're doing, um, you know, it's what are those pieces and elements that are in there? So, I mean, you know, time on site is obviously a very key metric, right, that we have to understand. We try to direct um, most of our customers back to the site because that's where we tell our story the best, right? Is on the na.panasonic.com website, and from there, you know, um, we look at you know how long have they viewed? Um, did they get what they want out of it? Um, you know, all, all the metrics that you would expect to see. But then, quite honestly, we also measure um, some things of you know who else. Is, is speaking in the market? What conversations are happening? Does our story align with that? What is our voice in that market? How much of that voice do we actually have? So, I mean, there's, there's a tremendous amount. I, I say that all the time, you know, again, being part of a Japanese company, you know, um, the thought on marketing is very different than perhaps you might see on um, other like US-based companies, right? So they were, they've been very focused on, you know, trade shows. That's a big element for how we tell the story, as well as, you know, sort of the, the very product centric conversations that you have. Um, we're very proud of what we, what we make and what we offer. Um, so we like to talk to that, but we have sort of shifted that conversation more to the, again, how relevant are we and how quickly can we shift 
if we need to, to align ourselves in the conversation. There's a tremendous amount of metrics and analytics that are placed in this, none of which isn't falling short of just the overall customer sentiment. Um, you know, listening and seeing how people respond to um, how we speak, what we're speaking about. I mean, we, we take that very seriously to make sure that we're, we're in the right places. But because of this kind of digital first ecosystem, you know, it's becoming increasingly important, right, for marketing teams to be like in lockstep with IT teams. We're seeing that a lot more nowadays with, with certainly big brands, but all the way around. What are some of the challenges that the marketing team has seen in collaboration with IT? And like, do you have any thoughts on how this can be improved? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there's so many, if you look at it from an IT perspective, there are so many tools, right, that have been presented um, over the course of years to be able to sort of make marketing more effective and a better use of spend within organization. So I do say that from an IT perspective, uh, my hat goes off to them because it's a tremendously difficult job to try to manage all of the balance that's there. But I think, you know, I think, again, making sure that in the conversations that you're having um, and, and the direction of where you're trying to go, IT is an important factor in that because it's very easy for me to come to a conversation and say that, you know, I want this to happen on our website and not give the context to be able to say that as a result of doing this, we will increase time on site by X percentage points. When you can take the time and someone can understand the impact of the ask that you're making, they're more likely to respond in a favorable way if you truly understand that. And, you know, I think one of the things that we try to do is the web is an interesting place. It, it's a place where brands either can live or quite honestly, some of them will die. Because you still have to maintain um, the value in the brand. You need to still be able to protect the brand. You still need to promote it in a way um, that is in alignment with the business. So, you know, IT is critical in making all of that happen to make sure that we truly understand and we, we have the abilities to represent ourselves the way that we need to. Yeah, it seems like a lot like, again, more certainly more nowadays that there there really needs to be this tight connection and alignment between head of marketing and you know head of IT. It seems like in years past, that might not have been the case. Yep. We're certainly now with cybersecurity and the things that are so important, you know, that relationship's really key. And I'm seeing more and more CMOs and VPs of marketing really have that that really tight connection with IT or the CIO or CTO. And, and it really benefits the org, um, broadly speaking. So well, and the other thing too is there's so much information, right? I mean, pulling information from the web and being able to convert that into valuable insights in regards to customer bases um, or conversations. You know, it, it's interesting. We have this discussion a lot internally, and we have X number of visitors to our website, you know, every day. And so, you know, we have conversations with our sales teams. And, and I always say to our sales teams, you know, we need to be willing to accept that there are things about your customers that you know because you're having face-to-face -face conversations, but you also have to accept that there's things that we know as well based on the conversations we're having with them online. And together, we can solve for many of the things that come up. 
but you do have to accept that, that there's a tremendous amount of valuable information. So IT's ability to be able to be a part of that discussion and to be able to weave a lot of that data into consumable, actionable, uh, actual data is really a critical element to any marketing organization. You brought up something that I, I'm always curious about when I'm connecting with um, marketing leaders like yourself, and that is this, you know, kind of age-old question of sales and marketing alignment, and how to do that, how to do that well. Now, um, you've certainly had a ton of experience in, you know, in connecting those two pieces together. How are you doing it now, today? You know, look, consumer behavior has changed, the world has changed. You know, Panasonic wants to be just as relevant, if not more relevant than ever before. So, yeah, how does that, how does that land for you? Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> there's always this balance between sales and marketing, right? Um, it is a very fine line in terms of, you know, depending upon who you ask, right. how good the relationship is, is how good it really is. I mean, at the end of the day, our sales teams are a voice of our company, right? So, you know, uh, there needs to be good conversations. There needs to be collaboration with those teams. They are a piece of the overall puzzle. But that said, there are other pieces as well. So you have to sort of balance what you're what you're receiving from the sales organization to the realities of what are happening in a bigger, broader market, right? And so we don't make decisions based on one customer. We make decisions, hopefully, on industries. So, so being able to take that voice and that information and really, you know, take it, understand what the what the customer pain points are in that process are an important element to it. Um, but there's always going to be some level of, of disconnect between the two um, at some degree, uh, hopefully not considerable amounts, but there will always be some um, because we are looking at industries and we are have a message. And I always say that, you know, our job is to protect, promote um, the brand, right? And a part of that is, is making sure that we're doing the right things in the process um, and making sure that we're doing it based on a lot of information, not just any one specific point of view. Is there any kind of technology or tool or strategy that you've really found to be helpful in supporting that tight alignment between marketing and sales? I mean, we do... We have a lot. I mean, again, we have a lot of conversations, right? So understanding the requirements, understanding uh, what's happening in the space, um, we rely heavily on our sales teams for that information. So that's a big, big piece. You know, we try to work to make the marketing efforts that we do as seamless to our sales teams so that they can see the benefit of, of what's happening. And they can also see sort of, we like to be pretty vocal. We have obviously quarterly reviews with our sales teams to share sort of, these are the results. This is what we're seeing happening in the market. These are, these are the important factors that we're seeing. We try to get out in front of customers, have that conversation. Like I, I don't want to be behind, you know, that front line of people who are really out there listening to the struggles or challenges that a customer is having. And for us as a marketing team to be, you know, telling a completely different story doesn't benefit anybody in that process. So, you know, but I also am a believer that um, everybody in the organization is responsible for telling our story. So it's not just marketing, it's everybody. So for us to be able to develop the message and to make sure that the message is one that our teams are comfortable telling is another important part. But, you know, people try to simplify, you know, sales and marketing it's very much a blurred line 
because there is a responsibility on all sides to be out there and, and actually telling the story. What were some of the key messages and, and campaigns through kind of modernizing the legacy brand? Well, we shifted um, very much from a consumer type business to uh, a B2B company, and then even from a B2B company to a solutions company. Um, and so, you know, as we look at that, it's more than just any conversation is more than just the hardware that's represented, even though we are a hardware manufacturer. We do a lot more than that as well. We have professional services. Um, you know, we have warranty services that we have. We do kitting capabilities. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of things that we offer to the market. So what we've tried to do is, is to, again, go in and having conversations with customers around the pain points and the problem that they're trying to solve, and then all the different places that we can help. When you look at it across those five businesses that we have, it's amazing the, the breadth of offerings that we have um, from all of those individual business units um, and how we can really help a customer. So when you come to the customer at the, the foundation of what they're trying to solve and all the capabilities that we have to be able to do that, it's a much, much more powerful conversation um, and that's one of the things that we've tried to do is sort of head and, and share some insights into the breadth of who we are um, versus perhaps um, in years gone by, um, a very focused conversation, depending upon what specific industry you are looking at based on the hardware that we offered. Was the shift, you know, the shift you spoke of kind of from consumer to more kind of business to business, why that shift? Was it because the story wasn't being told well and the business to business side of the business was a larger part of the business. Like to me, that's a big, that's a big shift in focus. And do you know what kind of what went into that? Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely predated myself okay. um, within the organization. Um, but what I would say is, you know, I always struggle when we say the, the consumer side to the business side, because at the end of the day, we're all consumers. And so how you tell your story, again, it goes back to that relevant piece, right? What is it that you're trying to solve for? Because whether I'm, you know, I might be in a business environment, but I'm going to go home tonight and put on my consumer hat. And through the age of digital, I'm going to be served a variety of different content, right? On my device. So I don't know necessarily that the conversation is as much about B2C as it is B2B, um, but really being able to, again, understand the needs of the customer and then be able to tell the story of our offerings. How are you implementing more data personalization into your user experience at Panasonic? I mean, this is a great one. This is one that is definitely work in progress for us because there is um, there's nothing better, in my opinion, from a customer experience side than for someone to have enough information on me uh, when I'm in a purchasing mode um, so that I don't have to waste a lot of time trying to navigate all the different paths that are available. So we are very focused on that. Um, we Again, you know, if I go back to sort of the, the approach that we take, you know, our marketing team, it, it, our focus is around being agile. So our ability is to be able to shift based on feedback that we receive, making sure that we're relevant. Um, so delivering content that is either relevant to the industry or that specific customer. 
and honestly being fearless, being willing to try new things. And so, you know, as part of that, you know, a part of that is, is stepping out and sometimes, you know, taking ourselves to be more proactive in our conversations with our customers than perhaps they're used to us being in the past. So it's a big focus for us. It's one that's a definitely a work in progress. Um, it is high on our list of priorities. It's high on my priorities and the leadership team from a marketing perspective. Um, that's what they focus on every day. How do we make that relevant conversation uh, for that customer and make it worth their time to engage with us? Along those same lines, like what are your hopes for the future of data personalization? I think this this is me personally. This isn't necessarily where where perhaps Panasonic is going, but I always joke about it. There's sort of the creepy side of marketing where you know you go onto a site and you're like, hmm, is it a complete coincidence that I was just shopping for X, but now today I'm being served up X, Y, and Z, right? I actually kind of like that. Um, because I love the ability to be able to see options. Some people don't. Some people feel like that's just a complete invasion. But you know, I love the ability to leverage some of the AI models that exist um, based on behaviors to be able to predict where like audiences might be going um, and being able to get ahead of that. You know, when I was uh, in my career at Verizon, I worked for an individual who you always tried to be one step ahead of that individual and what their asks was going to be um, so that you were prepared, one, and that you know you had enough insight and were giving enough thought to what, what it is that that individual is looking for. I think marketing is very similar to that, right? I think that we, we should strive to provide an incredible experience for our customers and I think we should also be ahead of them. We should be thinking about where they might be going or even potentially getting them, giving them the opportunity to rethink where they're going based on something that we might serve them. So I think AI in the factor and some of the AI models to be able to predict and do some predictive behaviors based on like audiences is a real thing. And, and, I, and I actually think it's, it's quite fascinating when you start to dig into it. Mm. You've also spoken about how important, you know, authenticity in marketing is, you know, what pitfalls would you advise marketers and marketing leaders against to avoid appearing inauthentic? Well, I think there isn't anybody that knows themselves better than the people who represent the company. And I always struggle with people who step out and try to be something that they're not. I'll give you an example. You know, I am a big fan of the Nike brand. Um, I think Nike has done a very good job of taking on some very, very challenging conversations and be willing to take and make a stand and say that they either support or don't support X, Y, or Z. Panasonic isn't that company. And if we were to do that, it wouldn't feel natural. That's not who we've been or who we are. Now, the question, one might beg the question, well, shouldn't you be? Well, that's a separate discussion. But you know, at this point, if I were to step out and make these big stance in regards to things that are happening socially, it wouldn't come across authentic. So I think it's important to know who you are. And I think it's important not to try to be everything to everybody. You have to know your strengths and you have to know where you excel. And that's what you should hang your hat on. And that those are the places where you should spend your time um, developing. 
I'm a firm, you know, Panasonic has done some great things. Um, you know, we've had a brand campaign, a better life, a better world. We are an incredibly philanthropic organization. We spend a lot of time investing into the local communities. That's a strength of ours. And so for us, um, you know, we don't probably talk about it enough, um, but the organization is, is, is one that, you know, I'm really proud to be a part of for the work that we do there. But then there's other places where it just isn't, it isn't natural for us. And then we shouldn't show up there, like take advantage of, you know, and be aware of, of who you are. I think that's the most important thing. Hmm. And you said Nike, which is one of my favorite brands. I think when I think about brands that made an impact on me yeah. when I was young, it was it was Nike without a doubt. And so I always refer back to that. And I love how you also got a shout out for Nike. Looking kind of to the future, how do you kind of plan on getting and staying ahead? And I know this is kind of a higher, you know, broader question, but just broadly speaking, like how do you think about staying ahead in 2022 and beyond? Have things changed in terms of how you think about ad spend in the past year looking forward? I think that, um, yes, we have spent, uh, we've spent a tremendous amount of time on how we spend in general for marketing, right? Because there are multiple channels um, that we need to be a part of. There's, there's plenty of activities that we should be involved in. Again, based on where our customers are telling us that they're showing up. So, you know, we adjust that every day um, to be able to make sure that that we are appearing in the right places. So we, we focus, I mean, we used to have a time where we spent a significant part of our marketing budget on trade shows. And yes, they're important. Um, and yes, they're there. But, you know, when you look at some of the the, the newer demographics that are, uh, are becoming buyers um, and making some of those buyer decisions, that's not where they show up. Now, does that mean that we're going to stop? No. Um, but does it mean that we also have to expand who we are and add to where we're going to be? Absolutely. So that all comes into play as we start to look at, you know, all of the different factors that we have in regard to our buying audiences. This is exceptional. Um, Brian, this is awesome. I'm like, man, we're coming up on, on time. And I'm like, I need another two hours with Brian <laughs> to at least get to the, to the nitty gritty, but this is just exceptional, man. And, uh, such an honor. So thank you so much. Um, how do you stay relevant, agile, fearless kind of as this legacy brand? Yeah, I think, you know, so <laughs> agile, it's interesting because prior to the pandemic, if you had asked us if we were an agile organization, I probably would have said to you, we've got some work to do here. Um, but once the pandemic had hit, um, you know, we went from, you know, the businesses that we re reference here, we've got just about 600 employees. And, you know, we, I, I joke all the time because I say, if we had presented to our teams that we we're going to move 600 employees to a remote workforce in a 45 day window, they probably would have said it's going to take us at least three years in order for us to be able to accomplish that. Um, but we did it in 45 days, right? <laughs> uh, so, you know, push comes to shove. I think we're a very agile organization and agile, especially in the way in which we adjust uh, the work that we're doing that's in market, um, specific to marketing, based on behavior and based on sentiment that we're seeing uh, from our audiences. So I think, you know, that's the agile piece. Relevant is honestly very easy. It's that listening component, right? Um, it is our abilities to be able to, 
you know, really understand the needs of customers through the lens and through the voices of them, they themselves, as well as through the people who we have in our in our organization, sales and, and support teams uh, and product teams who are out having conversations with them every day. And fearless really does boil down to being willing to try new things. We tried, you know, during the pandemic, we went from um, at the time that it hit, there was a very large uh, National Association of Broadcasters show that was about to actually go live. And we had to shift that entire platform into um, a virtual um, event when we were normally going to be able to do that live in, in person. So Fearless is being willing to take those risks. We launched podcasts, an internal as well as an external um, you know, we kicked up the amount of investment that we had in virtual uh, webinars and events. Um, so it really is just being willing to take a risk and know when to say it's working and be smart enough to know when to pull away if it's not. Mm, let's talk about your podcast. And I'm, I'm, so there is the big rethink. Is that the internal or is that the external? That's our external podcast. Okay. Big rethink is external. Um, so, so. Connecting to, to the big rethink, how is that serving your marketing strategy? Like what's what about that podcast kind of fills that need for your consumer in a unique way? Yeah. The big rethink is all about that thought leadership component and that element that we talked about there. So when you look at the topics that we've covered um, in regards to the big rethink, first of all, it's not a Panasonic. Um, it, it's not targeted to be a product promotional podcast. I noticed that. I noticed that. Yeah. Yeah. It's intended to bring insights and get people, as the name says, uh, to rethink sort of the way things are done. So we've covered topics from AI um, to customer experience to um, the importance of inclusion. Um, we've talked about uh, managing with disabilities um, and the importance that we have as marketers to be able to help those audiences um, navigate through uh, materials that you make available to them. We've covered um, illegal logging and deforestation in the rainforest um, and the impacts that that has on all of us. So it really is intended to be just that. It is a piece for us to be able to have some amazing conversations with some incredibly talented individuals who are truly out there changing the way that work is done in a variety of different places. And, and, and I'll have to tell you, out of all the work that we have done in the pandemic, it's probably one of the places that I'm most proud because I think there's an incredible amount of thought that's been given to who our guests are, who the audience is that we're trying to target, and making sure that we've got good content to support that. I checked out that podcast just a, a little bit before the show, and I noticed that was one thing I noticed right away was the diversity of topics, and I thought that was a strong move. We see a lot of big brands and small brands launch their own shows, and then they become this corporate all about us show. And then inevitably they end up in what we call the kind of podcast graveyard uh, because it's like they're, they're again, they're kind of missing that that part. And I love how you double down on thought leadership. I think that's really important. And it's clear if anyone checks out the big rethink, which I, I suggest you do, is you'll see some really interesting topics and you'll see, yeah, you'll see like well thought out insight and, and really cool conversation. So that's a, a really strong move on your part. Um, how are you measuring the success of 
you know, thought, the thought leadership impact. Like how do you, you have this podcast, the main aim is thought leadership. How do you kind of view out of that and say, okay, we're actually doing well here. Yeah. It's interesting because obviously um, measurement tools around podcasts um, are really difficult to get to, right? So <laughs> yes. Tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You, you probably know that oh too well. <laughs> yes. Yes. That said though, um, you know, we use that in a variety of different ways. So um, we use it in, as it's intended for thought leadership. So we have our teams. It's another piece of content that our teams can share um, with uh, either prospective buyers, right? Or existing customers today. So I won't lie, it's, it's a challenge. That That's a, a real challenge for us. Um, we, we look at downloads, obviously, that's an important metric. But Aside from that, you know, honestly, some feedback um, and the feedback that we receive from it has really been positive. And, and that's the good news. You know, people who listen to it um, agree with what you had stated that, you know, they are happy that it wasn't all product oriented. And I'll be honest with you, when we first started it, it was very internally Panasonic centric. And that was one thing that we very quickly pivoted from because I said, this can't be an advertisement for the, for the business. This is about us being able to help others, not necessarily it to be focused on us. I love it. Congrats on that. Um, I've already uh, subscribed, so I'll be checking out some of the content you guys have coming out. Appreciate that. Let's get into the lightning round. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com forward slash marketing. We've got Brian Rowley, VP of marketing at Panasonic on the show. Brian, first question, texting or talking? Talking. What do you love and appreciate about yourself? Um, I love to have fun. I, I think I'm a pretty lighthearted guy. What's your favorite day of the week? Tuesdays. Oh, okay. Favorite city in the U.S. besides the one you live in? Chicago. Hmm. Um, this might be the most important question of the day, uh, Brian. Would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or be able to talk to animals? Love to be able to talk to animals. I have two boxers um, okay. and I would love to know what's going on in their head. I love it. Aaron, our producer, lead producer, he would also opt for the animal uh, language. So you share that with him. Uh, next question, favorite holiday? Uh, Thanksgiving by far. Cool. Favorite live concert? Okay, I'm going to date myself, um, but this goes back a ways. Uh, Huey Lewis and the News was probably, oh, wow. uh, I, I know, it goes way, way back, but it was, uh, it was by far one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Oh, that's great. Uh, scale of one to 10, how good of a driver are you? Uh, I'd say I'm probably, it depends. Uh, I'd say an eight, but that depends if it's down here. Uh, I'm in Florida. And if you know anything about Florida drivers, uh, it, there's some craziness that happens down here. So I might, might only actually be a seven by the time we get through with all the craziness here. Got it. Uh, fill in the blank. Something wise your elders taught you was? Be kind to somebody else. Mm. Next question. Invisibility or super strength? Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I would say super strength. Okay. And I think I know your answer for this one, but let's see. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? 
Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Without a doubt. Um, okay. If you weren't in marketing, what would you be doing? I wished I were an airline pilot. Oh, I like that. Okay. Um, last couple questions. What's your least favorite marketing buzzword? Solutions. <laughs> okay. God. Drives me insane. Oh, man. You must hear it. Yeah. Gosh, I can't tell you how many times I hear that one. We hear it a lot. <laughs> okay. Last question. What would you go back and tell your younger self about being a marketing leader? I would probably go back and say that it is an incredible opportunity to really have uh, a viewpoint in a lot of different places that you wouldn't expect it. Thank you. Appreciate you. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers, to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.